0: Let us pray. Father, we come before you, Lord, and we ask God right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would join with us, Lord. We pray that your power would be sensed, that your power would be felt. Father God, I ask right now in Jesus' mighty name that you would subdue all that is contrary to you. I pray that your Holy Spirit would join with us, Lord. That your Holy Spirit would join with us, Father. And that you would speak through me, Lord. I pray that you would give me the words to speak. Father, I pray that you would give me um, the power to deliver, to convey what your Spirit says. Father, I pray that you would anoint my lips. I pray, God, that you would strengthen me. I pray that you would help me to provide clarity to this message. God, I pray that this uh, message would be of eternal significance. I pray that you would help me to proclaim your word as a dying man to dying men, as if I could never preach again. Lord, assist me. Father, I pray that you would bring conviction I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring power. I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring clarity and inspiration and edification. God, we come here, Father, for the purpose of hearing you, Lord. We come, Father, for the purpose of hearing your word. God, I pray that you would grant um, guidance. I pray that you would grant direction. Father, I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you, Lord, would help every single soul in this meeting, Lord, to overcome sin, to overcome and to conquer all that is contrary to you, Lord. I ask of you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would give direction to this meeting. I pray, God, in the mighty name of Jesus that you would help to set us on the path where we need to be, Lord. Father, I pray that you would catapult us, Lord, into your will, God. Holy Spirit, I pray, I, I pray against all distractions. I pray against derailing thoughts. I pray against um, detracting um, thoughts that the devil would try to put in our minds, Lord. Father, I pray right now that you would captivate our attention. You would captivate our attention I pray that seeds would be sown that would bring forth fruit in our lives and that we would pluck out every weed, we would pluck out every root that is contaminating, that is defiling and that we would be washed by your holy and precious blood. I pray that you would cover me Lord. In your holy and precious blood, Lord, I pray that there would be the demonstration of the spirit and power. I pray that it would not be just mere words that would um, that would target the mind, but that you would help me to speak by the Holy Ghost, and that it would convict the hearts. Father, I pray that the two-edged sword would be wielded today, dividing both soul and spirit. Bone and marrow, nothing is hidden, Lord, from your word, nothing is hidden, Lord, in all of creation. <clears throat> Hallelujah, God, I have your way, Holy Spirit. You're
1: welcome, Holy Spirit. You're welcome here, oh God.
0: God, I pray, Father, I pray that a seriousness, Lord, a, a sobriety. A a sense of majesty would come in this meeting. Lord, I pray that every person would understand that this isn't a secular time, it is sacred time. A sacred time. As we assemble together as the church of the living God, the pillar and the buttress of truth. We're not a social club. We're not an AA meeting. We're the church of the living God, the household of God, the temple of the living God. Father, I pray that we would be so careful, Lord, in your presence, God.
1: In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Let me turn this off.
0: Well, God bless you all. Welcome. This is the household of, of God. We are the people of God. We are not an AA meeting. We're not a social club. We're not an NA meeting. AA is Alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous. NA is Nar- Narcotics Anonymous. We're not that. In fact, we're not even a a religious gathering and no more. The Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I hate likeness in the house of God. I can't stand it. Because what it does is show contempt for God's presence. It shows contempt for who the Lord is. And there is there is to the be a weightiness, a sense of weight and depth when we assemble as the people of God. And if that is not sensed, obviously there's times where the atmosphere is breeding peace and the Lord comes and there's a sense of liberty. But if there's an absence of weight, then you want to question the man proclaiming the word. And you want to question whether God is present. Once again, I I, I made it very clear that there are times where there's peace, there's a sense of joy and a uh, lightness but it's not a secular or a sort of frivolous lightness it's a lightness like my my burden has been lightened that's the sort of lightness that god commends but the lightness that i that i'm talking about that is is rejected by the lord is is the sense that this is just mediocre this is just average this is just you know one of those another th- meeting when we 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 love to just joke around and you know, kick back. That's not what God's house is about. It's not about kicking back. <clears throat> and may the Lord help us to revere to have reverence before him. He's a king. And He is to be addressed as such. He's our Father nonetheless, but He is nonetheless a King. And in this rebellious generation, we better get things straight. So,
1: Lord, help us to revere Your Word. Lord, help us to revere Your Word. God, forgive us, Lord, if we are irreverent. Help us to obey
0: and to honor you, Lord above all. <clears throat> so I want to read this uh, Matthew chapter twenty five, beginning at verse fourteen. It says, For it will be like a man going on a journey. And I, I want to read this in light of this general topic, and the general topic is stewardship. Okay? For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. I want to stop there. We are stewards. And the master here the master here in this text is God. That's who the Master is. And see, the Lord as Master entrusts you to be a manager. You're not the CEO. You're not the owner. You're nothing more, I am nothing more than a manager. That is to say that we manage that which is not ours. And you know what the Lord does? He goes away. It says very clearly right there in that one sentence, right before verse 16, it says, Then he went away. So in one sense, he didn't really go away because God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. Lord, help us to understand that that is in fact the case. How interesting it is that we will do things When our brothers and sisters are not watching us. And yet God is seeing us the entire time. You know there is this silly. um, (laughs) There is a silly thing on Facebook. These reels man. They happen to captivate your attention so easily. But some silly jokester. He I guess has nothing better else to do than to submit applications and win these interviews and and has no intention on working. But he records them and posts them on YouTube because he does the most bizarre and absurd things while he's being interviewed. And In one case, he's in a drive-thru. And as he's in the drive-thru, the lady saw, are you in a drive-thru? And he's acting you know, like a jokester, and you say, no, I'm not in a drive-thru, and you can hear the lady saying, sir, will that be um, <laughs> a, a fried chicken, oh, I don't know what, he, what she said exactly, but, and then the lady conducting the interview said, sir, I can see you. He said, no, no, I'm not, no, I'm not in a drive-thru, and he said, I can see you, and, and she said, do you have any more questions? And he's all, um before we, uh, you know, exit this interview, he said, yeah, do you have ketchup? I mean, um, do you, um, uh, when can I work? And and he said, no, I, I don't have ketchup. But the idea, though, is that he was obviously being absurd, right? He, he was on Zoom. And I don't know if this had anything to do with COVID, you know, for the fact that interviews are being conducted online. But the point was this. He was in denial of the fact that the lady was seeing him. She was seeing his every move. And in a very similar way, God sees our every move. Despite the fact that he, quote, went away, I take it to mean that Jesus went away in the sense that He ascended to heaven. But the eyelids of the Lord search to and fro throughout the earth, and He tries the reins in the hearts of men. He beholds us. Thankfully that the Lord doesn't view us with an eye intending on smiting us down with condemnation. He sees us through eyes of love. He sees us through eyes of grace and through eyes of mercy. He sees us through eyes of patience but do not get it mistaken that the Lord is nonetheless seeing us. If we lived in light of that reality with reverence toward him, how ought that to change our lives? But it says that he went away verse 16 it says he would had received the f- he who had received the five talents, went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more, but he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. So what's going on here is that the Lord in his wisdom assigns to each man his own talents. And talents are not to be taken as Oh, you got some really great talents. Although that may very well be what what is meant here in the sense that um, talents is used more generally. So it might include your own talents, but it might include your skills and, and your gifts or things given to you. Your spiritual gifts or your home, your estates, your money. And the Lord assigns you as a manager of it. It doesn't belong to you. The Bible says in Psalm 24, verse 1 and 2, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and the world and those who dwell therein, for He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 says, For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. So who is it created for? Him. How is it created? By Him. Unto whose glory? His. So your, your husband or your wife or your future husband or your future wife or your kids or your estate, your money, your time, all of that belongs to Him. And he has assigned you as a manager thereto. Despite how much you have been given. Despite how much money you have. Despite however great of a property you have. The fact is that God has assigned you with something. He has assigned myself with something. And you know what he wants? He wants a return for his investment. He has invested in you, and he is invested in me, and he wants compound interest as a result. Here's another thing that we are to take note of. To one, he he is assigned five talents. To another, he is assigned one. To another, he is assigned two. So we ought not to fall into this comparison trap that says, look at how much Money they have. If I had that much, I would do X amount for the kingdom of God. Or look at how great of a speaker they are. Or look at how great of a singer they are. We ought not to envy each other's talents, because God, in His sovereign wisdom, deemed it fit to assign to you specific things. And who are we, as the Potter, to say? Uh, as the clay to say to the potter why have you made me thus why have you made me this way and and I, I I sense that the spirit of the Lord is is speaking specifically to some of us in this group regarding just that and he he's conveying this he's communicating this not as a sense of trying to beat you over the head but he's trying to lovingly communicate to you that he has made you special that he has made us all unique and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made we are fearfully and wonderfully made his hands have fashioned us he knows us intimately intimately so he knows not only what to provide to us but when to provide it to us because if you receive something prematurely you are risking uh, forfeiting or com- or compromising the will of God. see what you must understand is that the devil prematurely Offered to Jesus what was rightfully his. Oh, I feel the Spirit of God speaking to some of you about just this. That the devil offered to Jesus prematurely what was already his when he was tempted in the wilderness. What did the devil say? He says, bow down to me. I will give you all this. So he was trying to provide Jesus a crown without a cross. When it was the Father's will for the Lord to endure the cross, and after having endured the cross, the Bible says that all authority has been given unto him, that he was to be the heir of all the nations. And so what is the devil communicating to you today and trying to entice you, not even with cocaine or with drugs or alcohol or sex or all these other things, but the things that are rightfully due unto you, what the Lord purposes to give to you. And you say, you know what? I'm going to bite the devil's bait and I'm going to snatch it for my own prematurely. In, in, in Here's the thing. It's not without its consequences. God forgives, but it is not without its consequences. If you you prematurely try to uh, work the plan of God, you run the risk of creating an Ishmael when, when that was not the intention. God's intention was to provide you with Isaac. And guess what? They're wild donkeys. Those Ishmaelites. Those radical Islamists. I can say that because that's what the text refers to them as. It's not me. They're wild. They're always at war with each other. They're always uh, uh, contriving bloodshed. Oh, Abraham. But we can look in the mirror and say... Alas, oh, oh, us, oh, wretched us! You know, I, I love <laughs> one one of the examples of, uh, um, you know, for you know, to make tamales, right? The masa. What happens if if you use that prematurely? There's some bunk and nasty tamales, right? <laughs> Anything prematurely. Meat. You want to eat raw meat? It's not good. Are we alive? Say <laughs> out. God has given you the time to, to hear his word. And what the, what the devil is going to do once again is to offer to you prematurely what God intends on providing you in due time. In due time. But here's the thing, if you rush the process, you're not a good manager, you're not a good steward, you can't be trusted. There's some people that don't trust me. Why? Because they have an evil eye of suspicion. There's some people that don't trust you, because they're always trying to look for something to find fault in you for. You know, it's far easier to earn God's trust. It's far easier. It's easier to please God than it is to please people. But do we want to? How great of a joy is it to say that God can trust us? Maybe the devil can trust you. How would how would we like that on our on our spiritual resume? You know, sister so and so always falls prey to the devil. The devil can trust her to carry out his plans without her even knowing it. Or the devil can really trust brother so and so because you know he always falls prey. He's a good slanderer or he's a good manipulator, or he's a good whatever. I want it to be said that God trusts me. And so God pays you the highest compliment of entrusting you to be a steward. Now it's up to us to whether or not we're going to rejoice the Master's heart For having been faithful stewards over what he has entrusted us to. Are we faithful stewards today? Or are we squandering the wealth that the Lord has entrusted us with? Are we? Y'all alive? Yes. Now after a long time the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The Lord waits a long time. He waits a while. He's patient. You you don't you don't know how many people um start acting up. When you know pastors not around or parents are not around, it's kind of like those parents. I don't know if you guys in the world, your parents said, "Oh, we're leaving. Uh, We're going. We're gone. We're gone for the weekend." And you guys threw a party at the house. You knew that they were going to be away for a while, and you're like, "I have enough time to clean up." before they get back so they'll never find out. See don't mistake the Lord's patience with his acceptance. Just because he's patient with us doesn't mean that he doesn't doesn't mean that he accepts it. He waits a while. And sometimes he waits even longer. Why? Because we're not getting it right and he doesn't want to have to call us to count and leave him and be empty-handed or having ruined what he has given us
1: he waits he's patient
0: cuz he wants you to get it right <clears throat> Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So notice, there's an, there's accounting here. And the problem with today, people don't like giving account. I mean, none of us do. But you have to give an account when you do your taxes. You have to give an account when you, if you work the register, the manager says, uh, you know, are you short change? Or do you have more change than what you should have? Give an account. Another word is accountability. Ooh, that's a cuss word in Christian circles. We we love churchianity. We don't love accountability. You know, we we, we put on a church front a lot of the times and we look so good. We got our Christian smile, our Christian ease, our Christian language. We got it down packed. We got we got our whole diary filled with Christian vocabulary. We know how to say the right things. We know how to smile and, and, and just go through the motions. But just don't ask me about my devotional life. Just don't ask me how my life of prayer is looking. Don't ask me about um, the, the latest text I've read in the scriptures don't ask me about that because I don't want to give an account I can't tell you the last time I read my Bible is collecting cobwebs but yet meanwhile I'm asking what why is it the case that God is not speaking maybe it's because we're not looking into the scriptures why is God not giving me x amount or giving me this yeah christianese <laughs> Maybe it's because you're not praying. You got to leave the the, the 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 muffins in the stove um, a while for them to bake. You can't just toss it in there and then pull it right out. And that's, uh, that's reflective of many of our lives of prayer. We just throw it in there and then we expect something to come out full baked when we have baked it. Yeah, but it's churchianity. People get their they get their um, shot of religion, but people don't have any intention on being on being true disciples. They love their Joel Olsteinism. But accountability, that's how we grow, that's how we acclimate to greater maturity in the faith. How many of us really want to grow, to become mature? Oh, we wanted to when we were younger, right? Remember uh, being a boy and... um, you know, all the all the little boys will be like, "Oh, look, I'm growing hair. I'm you know, the first sign of hair." <laughs> Where's the eagerness in our spiritual faith to acclimate to maturity? Or do we want to continue to remain babies the rest of our lives? Sipping on milk. And there's a time, there's a place for us to be babies. Completely normal process. But God wants you to go into maturity. He wants you to be a steward over something. But can you be trusted? Can you be trusted? Can we as the church of God be trusted? By the Lord. What's the alternative? The alternative is the devil will entrust you. You can be the greatest in his kingdom if you want to. but verse 20 says and he who had received the five talents came forward bringing five talents more saying master you delivered to me five talents here I have made five talents more once again this is interest the Lord doesn't intend to give you gifts and for you to give back to him the exact amount of what he had originally entrusted you with so in other words if God has given you an extraordinary gift or discipline in the place of prayer he doesn't want 5 years from now to look the exact uh exact same amount of duration as it was 5 years ago you know when when the lord i, I i've seen many times where people they get saved right the lord takes them from a gutter they ain't got nothing i remember you know, many times someone gets saved and they're riding a bike to church. They just got off uh, uh, meth and, and, and they didn't have their kids. None of that. And they got their kids taken away from by CPS and they end up getting everything back. They get their kids back. They end up getting their car. They end up getting a license. And what happens is... As they're faithful in the small, God begins to entrust them with greater. God begins to entrust them with greater. But here's the thing, if you keep failing in the A, A, B's and C's of what God entrusts to you, how can you expect to graduate to further? If you're not faithful in the small, if you're not faithful in the few of what the Lord has given you, God is wanting to bless us with more. And God wants us to be a manager over greater. But if you despise despise the day of small beginnings and those early days or those early years, and you say, I should be further than where I am. See, everybody has a sense of entitlement. They think that they should be further than where they are. But the majority of the time is that when everybody else is sleeping, they're sleeping. When everybody else is relaxing, they're coasting on. And they expect to be further than the average. But that's not the case. You got to toil when others sleep. You got to sacrifice when others are snoozing. You got to get up um, and go get it. Oh, come on, somebody. We have an entitlement mentality. You know they we we want to get spiritually fit but we refuse to give up the spiritual donuts. Says his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. <laughs> There's a donut emoji. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know Zoom had donuts. <clears throat> but he says this, He says, you have been faithful over little. See, isn't that what we want to hear? Good job. Isn't that what we want to hear from the Lord? You have, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. This was Paul's aim. He says, I I forget those things which are behind me and I began to strain toward the mark of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. He says, not that I've apprehended it just yet. He says, but I press on towards the mark and I forget things behind me, whether good or bad. Whether all my accomplishments, I may have been serving God very great five years ago, and I can look back to the things that I've done. But what are we striving ahead of? What are we pressing toward today? Yes, we may have sinned before. So again, whether good or bad, in our past, are we striving ahead And are we pressing towards that high call in Christ Jesus to hear the words of the Master that says, Good job, faithful servant. Or will we hear the devil tell us, good job. Who will we hear that from? Will we hear that from the Lord? Or will we hear that from the devil? Because the devil will allow you to be his servant. And he's a whole lot more um, tolerant of what he will allow you to do. Just do anything you want. Just don't serve God. It's the broad path that leads to destruction. It's the broad path. See, so many people want to tread the broad path and get the results of, of those who have traveled the narrow path. Hell is paved by many good intentions. Almost entering into the narrow gate is not entering into the narrow gate. Almost surviving doesn't cut it. If you almost survived a car crash, guess what? That's death. You know, I I remember playing basketball back in the day. Not that I was a big basketball fan, but I remember... People are so eager to make the shot. They said, oh, almost made it. Almost don't cut it in the kingdom. You're not almost born again. You're not almost Christian. The world doesn't accept almost. Why do we? He was almost gangster. (laughs) Yeah, it's called wannabe. He was almost a preacher. She almost won a soul. She almost prayed today. She almost got married. She almost didn't cheat. Almost, almost. And it it doesn't cut it. I don't intend for this to be a message of regret. Understand that there's patience and there's There's restoration in God. There's second chances in the Lord. In fact, there's seven times, seven times, seven times, seven chances in Jesus.
1: Oh, how patient is the Lord. He's patient. He's merciful. He's kind. And He waits. He suffers long. And He wants you to get it right. He wants us to get it right. He wants to be joyed by you.
0: The Lord doesn't want to be grieved by us. He doesn't want to be grieved by you and me. He wants to be joyed by us He wants to take delight in us He wants to have pleasure in us It doesn't bring pleasure or delight to the Lord's heart If you backslide And you sin
1: And you ruin your life You
0: desecrate it Comes a shambles and you devastate everything that doesn't bring joy, delight to the heart of God. Don't you
1: hear the, the heart of the Father calling out to you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, rejoice in your people. Delight in your people, Lord. Delight in us, O God. May we please your heart. May the meditation of my heart and the words of my lips be pleasing unto you. God is speaking. The Holy Spirit is speaking. And He's targeting your
0: hearts. I feel the Spirit of God in this place. He's doing deep surgery on some of you. Some of you have tried to hide. Some of you have tried to run. Some of you said, I can't make it. Some of you said, I ain't worthy to do this. I just can't. I keep failing. But you know what? The Spirit of God is saying get up. And he's not saying that with distance. Or he's not saying that as standing aloof. He's saying that as one who lived as a man just like us. But he's not unable to empathize with our weaknesses. The Bible says he's a faithful and merciful high priest in things pertaining to God. And he's able to have compassion upon those who go out of the way. And who are ignorant and who are encompassed with weakness. He's able to draw nigh unto you and relate to your parents. Pain and relate to your shame, and relate to your, to relate to it all. He hung naked on a cross, so he knows what shame feels like. He was betrayed by his disciples. He was accused by a Judas, so he knows what pain feels like. And he bore the sin and the guilt of the world. He beckons and he draws. He secures and he aids and he strengthens and he helps. He's an ever-present help in trouble. He delivers us and he hears our cry.
1: Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus.
0: He also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two more, two talents more. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. The Bible says in the Psalms in his presence, there's fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. There's fullness of joy. Fullness. Fullness of joy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. His right hand our pleasures forevermore. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter. Where you scattered no seed, so I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, "You wicked and slothful servant! You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what my was my own with interest." So, in other words. The Lord is saying, if you were going to be lazy and slothful, you should have at least put it in the bank. At least used your wisdom, if you didn't want to use your hands. He said you could have you could have easily put it in the bank, and you could have gained money that way, so that the talent that I've entrusted you with wasn't completely useless. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You signed over your rights. We're not our own anymore. We don't call the shots in our lives anymore. The Lord does. And He assigns to you and He assigns to me a task when we've said yes to Jesus. When we turn our back on the world. When we say we don't want to be a part of that harlot anymore. We don't want to prostitute ourselves anymore. We want to be joined with the bride of Jesus Christ. And when we have done that, He has entrusted us to a mission. He's entrusted us with the task. And he expects a return for his investment. The Bible says in First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Serve. See, people love to be called servants of God, but they don't like being treated like one. Can you guys hear me? Am I still breaking up?
1: Yeah, it kind of freezes up from time to time. Okay. But we still
0: can hear you. Okay, cool. See, we, we, we like to be called servants of God, but we don't like being treated like one. Remember we're we're servants of the Lord, right? So what do servants do? They serve. Do you do you have a bless me mentality? That says me 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 me. But you have no intention on ever serving. God can't get into your finances. It's all about cosmetics. Not that there's anything wrong with with purchasing those things. But it goes no further than that. God can't get into your time. God can't get into the books you read or the things you watch you know um I don't know what you what any of you guys watch in your personal time, but I believe and I don't need to see a show of hands or or a yes that's me, but God can't get you to stop watching novellas. And it's a waste of your time. Watching narratives that are are include gossiping and fornicating relationships and or like they say, cheese me. It's not godly. And God has given you a certain amount of time. And to be a good steward over that. God has given us X amount of money. And we have to be good stewards over that. God has given us health. God has given us children. Or God has given us a spouse. Or God has given us whatever it is. God has given us the scriptures. You know there's people in other parts of the world that would die to have this. But how often we neglect how often we neglect these sacred scriptures. You know, I like what Leonard Ravenhill said. He says, one day we're going to have a simpleton that picks up this Bible and actually believes it. I think by and large, we don't really believe what we read. That's if we read. I'm not suggesting that we stay stuck in a theological library all day. But what I am suggesting is this, that David's sentiment was this, Oh, how I love thy law. It is the meditation of my heart continually. Let me ask us this, do we still yearn After the Lord, do we still thirst after His presence? Do we still long for the impartation of His Word? Do we still long to be with God? Do we still yearn to commune with Him? Or are we squandering our time on things that will not bring us the best of interest in light of eternity? No, I like what Linda Ravenhill said. He says that five sec, five minutes into eternity, we wish we would have prayed more, swept uh, uh, prayed more, grieved more, interceded more, labored more, sacrificed more. Not in order to get saved, but rather because we are saved, there should be a gratitude in our hearts that longs to see this. And so let, let me let me once again over go over this. Our family, so parents, children, spouse, siblings, or whatever, what have you. That has been entrusted to us. And you don't know. Obviously, there, there's always exceptions. Wait, hold on. Let me pray real quick. Father, I pray that for internet stability, I pray, God, that this would not cut out. I pray that it would run smoothly, Lord.
1: In Jesus' mighty name, amen.
0: <clears throat> um, it's, it's, it's disheartening to see that the Lord has entrusted children to some and I, obviously there are things that happen that are outside of our control. And, and kids ultimately when they grow older are responsible for their own salvation. But it's sad to me that I have seen so many Christian parents. And I can say with great um, confidence that the strain of their children were was due largely because of the negligence of the parents. And then we wonder why our kids are the way they are. And once again, I'm, I'm that that's life ain't fair. And sometimes you get bad results with good investment. I understand that. Or how many times relationships were marred, were ruined. Whether between a daughter and a father, or son and mother, or or brother and brother, or sister and sister, because we were not good stewards of what the, over what the Lord had entrusted us to, <clears throat> and so I'm I'm going to come to a close here. And I'm going to go over very briefly what should be enjoined to our stewardship. Number one is faithfulness. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2 says, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful.
1: Amen.
0: And so, I, 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 Charles Spurgeon is, is known for saying that through consistency... The snail eventually made it in the ark. The snail was slow, but he was faithful. He kept going. And see, faithfulness... <laughs> you guys thought that was cool, huh? Well, that was Charles Spurgeon. I wish I could take credit for it, but it wasn't me. <laughs> i got to be faithful to who actually originally quoted it. Um, but... Faithfulness doesn't mean that you won't ever fail. Faithfulness just means you're faithful to keep getting back up. Faithfulness doesn't mean that you're never going to get tired in the race or you're not going to fall on your face. But faithful, faithfulness is the verb or not the verb. It's, it's, it's another way of saying to have faith. What happens when you have faith? You actually believe you can keep going. You believe that you can make it. You believe that God will see you through. So you don't revert back. You don't don't retract. You don't retreat. You might be at a standstill for a while, but... Like Brother Malachi says, I'm not going to hell. (laughs) Do what you got to do. You got to kill me or whatever. I ain't going to hell. (laughs) Number two, our faithfulness should be without the respect of men. Colossians chapter 3 verse 22. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart fearing the Lord. <clears throat> so in other words, sometimes what I was talking about earlier, people do things only because they're being watched. Yeah, um, without respect of men. Oops. Now, that doesn't mean that, Uh uh-oh. Am I breaking up still? Yes. Hold on. So, I want to open up in prayer at this time. I want to draw I want to ask for your undivided attention and uh, your prayerful consideration to join with me to petition before the Lord that he would have his way that he would move um, that he would speak to us. And so father we come before you Lord in the mighty name of Jesus <clears throat> God we ask right now by the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask by virtue of your holy and precious and powerful and matchless name, Lord, that you would join with us, Father. Father God, I ask God right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you would give me the words to speak. I pray, Father, that you would anoint my lips. I pray, Father, that you would guide and govern the entirety of this meeting. Father, we pray, Lord, that your name would be glorified. We pray that your name would be honored. We pray that your name, O Lord, would be lifted high and would be exalted above the heavens. Lord, I pray that your word would go forth like a two-edged sword. Father, I pray that you would expose the intents and the motives of the heart. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would afflict the comfortable and you would comfort the afflicted. Father, I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you would dispel every lie that the devil would attempt to concoct. Uh, you would dispel and discard and refute and contradict every lie that the devil has tried to feed your your people. God, lift up every single soul that may be tempted to despair. Lift up every soul, Lord, that would be tempted to draw back into hopelessness and and fear and timidity and discouragement and disappointment. Father, your word says that wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and there is freedom. There is freedom from bondage. There is freedom from fear. There is freedom from depression. Father God, I ask God that right now that you would set us free, that you would set our feet upon a rock, that your Holy Spirit would transmit joy, would refresh joy, would refresh our hope, would refresh our peace, God. I pray right now for divine clarity, Father, for divine vision, for divine hope, Lord God, right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray, God, that you, Lord, would fuse me with your anointing, and Lord, that you would give me insight. Father, I pray that your word would go forth, Lord, prophetically, God, and that you would bind every demon that would try to hinder the word that would go forth. Father, you are welcome here, and I pray that your name would have preeminence in this place, oh God, this is holy territory, this is holy ground. Father, I pray that you would birth destiny in our hearts. I pray that you would educate us in the Holy Spirit. Educate us Lord in the spirit of God. God make us prayerful people. make us people, Lord, after your own heart. God so I pray that the altar on our the fire on the altar will never go out. The fire on the altars of our hearts will never go out, O oh Lord. Father, may it burn and burn and burn and burn and burn. And may the fires of those that have that need to be rekindled, Lord, I pray that you would breathe afresh on it, Lord. Have your way, O oh God. Have your way, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, help me, Father. Help me, Lord. Apart from you, I can do nothing. But by your Holy Spirit, Lord, and through Christ, we can do all things. So, God, I pray that you would make me an able minister in this, in this hour. Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus
1: Christ of Nazareth, we pray. Amen and amen. <clears throat> amen.
0: Welcome, everyone. God bless you. Amen. We're delighted to have you. I want to be talking to you guys about an an important topic central to our faith, and is a reoccurring topic, a reoccurring theme that I often uh, revisit. And there's a significant purpose for my revisitation to this topic, namely prayer. And there's many things that you can say and speak about. You can talk about its persist the persistency. You can talk about uh, the necessity for our reliance upon the Holy Spirit. We can draw our attention to the high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ. We can focus in on the on the intercessor uh, the intercession aspect. And there's so much that we can talk about, um, but there's two ideas that I kind of want to conjoin today, and it's the idea. Uh, well primarily the, the umbrella is prayer most generally but two ideas subsequent to that and underneath that I, I hope to conjoin together and it's the idea of persistence and the idea of open doors in prayer if there's anything that we hope to accomplish in prayer it is answers there too if there's anything that we seek to accomplish in this holy art of prayer it is the answers to the very things that we petition before god i don't think that any christian in our right mind that has any understanding of the promises that jesus provides for his people that god communicates to his people that he makes very he makes well known that are available to them Anyone in their right mind would not accept that invitation for the purpose of having no answers. I don't go to an encyclopedia to gain no answers. I don't go and click on Google expecting that I won't get an answer in response to my question. We understand that there's a purpose, there's a function for Google, and it's that it provides information, often censored and often, <laughs> you know, the information we sometimes do want to get is uh, jacked up and it's placed very far below in the algorithm and there's purposes for that. But nonetheless, we have some sort of hope. Maybe you're trying to find how to uh, make a recipe for for your food and stuff like that. Uh, but the idea, though, is that God, He... Invites us, no. In fact, he commands us to give our heart into this holy practice. I heard it said one time that we don't pray to live the Christian life, but we live the Christian life to pray. Now, that is a maxim, and maxims are generally true. And 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 it, we we do pray to live the Christian life, right? And so. I don't entirely agree with the statement. But the idea though is this. It illustrates a point. And it's that most primarily we as Christians live this life for communion with God. And that is exactly what prayer amounts to. Is that we commune with the living God. And our lives will only be as successful. And only be as potent. And flourishing. And and fruitful as those who lay a hold of the promises of God but here's the thing it's not going to just fall into your lap Um, excuse me I forgot to record recording
1: in progress
0: it's not going to just fall into your lap the Bible doesn't say that the kingdom of God suffers violent and that the passive uh, gain it no it says that the violent take it by force The only holy force that we truly have to pull down stronghold, to obtain promises, to have open doors, is the vehicle of prayer. Right? If you want to get to destination B and you're at point A, you're going to have to use a vehicle. And God has designed that the vehicle that we use to obtain or to get to point B is through the vehicle of prayer. Okay, and so um, I want us to to read this. It says, verse 1 in Luke chapter 11. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, so I want to stop there, and I just want to draw out some insights from the text. First of all, Jesus had a continual, a place of continual resort. Okay. It says right here, it says, was praying in a certain place. How did Judas know where Jesus was? How did the enemies of God know where Jesus was located? He was most often in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's how Judas knew where to look and find the Messiah. See, if I want to find a drunkard, I'm going to go to a bar, right? If I know that you like to read a lot, I'm probably going to go to the library. See the pat the thing that you're most passionate about. I-, I can assume you're gonna you're gonna be in some close proximity to that passion. If you like, uh, um, whatever, right? I can, if you go to Starbucks or you like coffee, right, I can expect that you'll be at a coffee shop. Well, the enemies of God knew where Jesus was because they identified a characteristic in his life, and it was this he is a man of prayer, and he often goes to that same place to pray. And so, this is how we know in the case where Judas betrayed Jesus. Is the devil will often attack you in the most sacred place. And that is the place of prayer. Even the devil knows. Huh, he, goes, he goes this same time every single day. He's going to try to pray. So I'm a, I'm a whisper in so and so's ear. To get their phone to ring. To text or do whatever. So Because I want to distract this person from tapping into that power source. But he says, Lord, teach us to pray. So you don't ask people to teach you to pray who don't know how to pray. And if it was so simple as, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray to the Lord my soul to keep, if I die before I wake, I pray to the Lord my soul to take. If it was so easy as a re- recitation of a, 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 of just words It wouldn't require for me to say, teach us to do just that. All I would have to do is write it down and memorize it and it's as simple as that. But Jesus, there was something unique and peculiar about his fashion and his form of his holy relationship with the Father. Moreover, I would imagine that they've witness several things that Jesus had laid claim to in prayer and obtained it and had seen the promises that this instrument has provided into the life of the begotten son of god and the disciples are looking and they say we need that we need that there's so many today they're saying teach us to be YouTube influencers teach us this, and there's nothing wrong with being taught all these other things, right? These are good things. I'm not denying. The validity and the usefulness of so many things teach us philosophy, teach us science, teach us, but if there is anything that is of utmost importance, you can be illiterate in a language and have this holy art of prayer mastered and you will have power with God of greater influence than people that are networkers that have with each other.
1: Amen.
0: <clears throat> So he says, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So they don't want to pray like the Pharisees. They want to pray like John. And he said to them, well, actually, when they would pray like Jesus, but they understand John taught his disciples, he says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. And I'm going to say something very controversial here, and I hope to not spend too much time on verses 2 through 4. I want to get to the persistent aspect, but I'm going to say something very controversial, and I don't intend to be a controversialist. I don't like just stepping on toes for the sake of stepping on toes. I think that's immature. I think that's arrogant, but I say this with the utmost concern, and I I, I pray that you hear my heart. I try to be very careful the way I say things if they're offensive, but it does burden my heart, and it, you might you might ask the question why but it burdens my heart when i when i see many people on social media or i see sometimes pastors i've witnessed in person um in my 10 years of experience i've seen a lot of them pray behind the pulpit and there's a sense of lightness there it leaves me in disbelief that this person has given themselves the best of their time to God in this holy art of prayer, because they're light. What do you mean they're light? What I mean by that is that there's no weight in the spirit. There's no depth. There's no substance. There's no power. You know, for example, I hate to use I hate to use this example, but hopefully it communicates a point. But for those of you that were giving yourselves to drugs, you understood when something was bunk stress versus what was chronic, (laughs) right? Because it affected your high. One was more potent and one was impotent, right? One got you to a certain state and the other didn't. And so, these nonchalant, this, this sort of light attitude before a king, I don't believe reflects the way Jesus viewed the Father. He says, "Hallowed," Because if we're going to ask the question, what would Jesus do? Because we love asking that question. In fact, we don't even have to ask that question. We, we could ask the question, what would Isaiah the prophet do? I see in Isaiah chapter 6, he says, Woe is me, he says, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For I have seen the Lord high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. His glory filled the temple. His glory. And I want to ask this question. Is there anything in your vocabulary that can express that truth where you said, I have seen the Lord high and lifted up and His glory filled this temple? His glory. See, if you're an unbelieving believer, you won't be able to make sense of that. And it breaks my heart. Because this is what God has called us to. What he invites us to. This is why sin has so much attraction. And so much traction and allurement in our lives. Because it is sending us a message. And this is the message. The world is glorious. That's what sin is trying to tell you. And if you don't see the glory of God, you're going to be allured by the powers of the world, the flesh and the devil. I have to I have to come to the place not through mental exercise or through uh, logical argumentation or through explaining to myself in my head about the dangers of the world. No, I need the Father to come down. I need the Holy Spirit to reveal to my heart that this world is destitute and it is worthless and this world has nothing for me but that the glory and the purpose and destiny and the meaning that I have for my life is found in Christ. Amen. I need revelation. <coughs> Information is is ineffective to change our hearts. We need revelation from God. And, and we don't, we don't merely get one revelation. That's the extent of our Christian walk. It is a progressive revelation. Once and again, we have known God. We have come to know Him as Father. We have come to know Him as blessed, a, a generous, a gracious Father. But I need to be poured out upon me again. And I need more revelation time and time again. As Spurgeon once said, we are leaking vessels. I leak. I need to be refilled and refilled and refilled. And I need my eyes open. Because if I don't, I'm going to succumb to blindness. I'm going to stumble every which way. But but Father, hallowed be your name. Hallowed. Holy.
1: Holy. Holy, holy is the Lord God
0: Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. Sense of awe. I don't know, for those of you in in different countries you have probably never been there. I've never been there myself and it's here in America. But what I've heard it often said is when people stand uh, before the Grand Canyon, there's a sense of awe. There's a sense of majesty. The vastness of the Grand Canyon. Or, and when I go to Pismo and I look at the vastness of the ocean, I stand back, my eye cannot even see the distance that is but a fraction of the entire world. And I cannot help but sit back and stand in awe of the majesty of God's creation. But that is merely His created order. How much more were through the eyes of the Holy Spirit when He reveals to our hearts yet again that He is the creator of the universe and His infinite power knows no end. His grace knows no bounds. His mercy lasts forever. And His grace extends to all generations. How is it not the case that when He reveals to us yet again in the place of prayer that he is the end all be all in him I live move and have my being and we stand back inevitably with a sense of awe and majesty before the name of him who is hallowed hallowed be your name so now do you understand why the sense of lightness and a nonchalant attitude is unworthy of the creator If I stand before the Grand Canyon or I stand before the vastness of the ocean and I shrug my shoulders and I treat it with contempt as if it is common or just like any other mundane scenery, any other eh, sort of scene, what does that reflect about my heart? I cannot see. And so this is the encouragement that the Father, who is vast, who is infinite, who is omnipresent, who is uh, uh, all-powerful. He invites us to come to Him, as vast as He is, and say,
1: ask of me what you will. Ask of me
0: what you will. In fact, let me, let me at this point, let me read a couple of passages to help to incite faith in your heart. Look at the promises that Jesus provides for us. Matthew chapter 18 verse 19. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Matthew chapter 21 verse 22. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Mark 11 verse 24, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Not, it might be yours and I'll think about it. Or in fact, I'll pray about it. (laughs) I'll pray about it if I want to give it to you. John 14:13 Whatever you ask in my name this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the son. So what is predicated upon God answering our prayers? His very glory. That the son may be glorified, that the Father may be glorified in the son. And so God does all things for his glory. If if for mercy's sake wasn't enough, if for grace's sake it wasn't enough, even for his love for the creation wasn't enough. One thing I know of greater certainty than that, that God does all things for his glory. So if he says that he does all things for his glory and his glory he will not give to another, and that the son will be glorified, the father will be glorified in the son by virtue of him answering our prayers, then what does that say about my certainty and my confidence in God the father that he will do what he said he will do? Hallelujah. <coughs> Another verse that says If you abide in me and my words abide in you Ask whatever you wish And it will be done for you <coughs> And in that day you will ask nothing of me Truly, truly This is the Greek Amen, Amen Which means amen, amen. So when Jesus repeats himself, you can know of assurance that what he's about to say is important. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. You know why you're not joyous? Because you don't pray. But you say, but I pray. I'm still not joyous. That's because you have not obtained answers in prayer. You don't and you have not received open doors in prayer because you are lacking persistence. It's not I said it and I forget it. As we will see, it is a continual coming. It is wearing the Lord down in the place of prayer. The Bible says in Isaiah, I forgot which chapter, he says, give me no rest. Give me no rest. And in context, he's he's talking about prayer warriors. He's talking about those who he has set as watchmen. And he says, put the Lord in remembrance. Put me in remembrance. God doesn't forget, but he wants you to keep pressing. He wants you to keep asking. So Jesus didn't just say this one time. It was one scripture. And that would be sufficient. That would be enough to warrant our confidence. It's all throughout the Gospels. Whatever you wish, ask. Whatsoever you will, ask. And it will be given. Here's the second aspect that you must understand. Hold on, let's just read. I'm not going to spend much time on these following verses. Give us each day our daily bread. Uh, So there's a necessity for reliance upon God for daily sustenance, but also for spiritual sustenance. Forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. This is significant. The Bible says that um, the the Bible speaks to to husbands and says you know to live with your wives. Basically, the the I, I can't cite it word for word, but the idea is um, don't live at hostility with one another because that will hinder your prayers. So this need of confession, while we should forgive, on what basis? Because God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us. But secondly, if you don't, it will, it will prevent the reaping of benefits in your life because it's hindering your prayers. So it's even for your own sake that you forgive. Have you ever seen that meme of the man that's holding a rope and he is, there's a rock, a humongous boulder attached to that rope and he's trying to go uphill? But he's prevented from doing so. And it's because he's holding on to something. And when we let that go, we're able to get to our destiny. We're able to get to our destination. See. Let's continue. Verse 5. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey. I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. (laughs) Get away. Midnight. Well, maybe this is an exception for you night owls. But suppose the man had to get up, you know, very early or whatever. Um, His friendship didn't get for him the results he wanted. You see that? This was a friend. And so, even friendship was not enough. In other words, just because you're a friend of God, and the Bible does say, um, just because the Bible says we are friends of God, Sometimes that's not enough. But here's why. It says, do not bother me. The door is now shut. So, So God closes a door on your face. He says, don't bother me. Wow. And my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. He didn't even say, I, I will not get up. He says, I cannot. He's probably that tired. Probably, or, or who knows, maybe it was, it was winter and he was really comfortable with the fire on or something. Fire in the chimney is just relaxing. Sipping on some coffee. <laughs> All right? He says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet, because of his impudence, or in other words, his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. You know, I was watching this man who has a travel channel, and he traveled to, I think, he traveled to some very, very impoverished place, and there was a man that was asking him for money, right? And the guy said, Nah, nah, I don't got no money. No lie this this guy that was asking for money literally followed him around for about 20 or 30 minutes and kept asking him and asking <laughs> I, I would have called the cops or something like you're really getting on my you're harassing me <laughs> get away um but the but the idea though is that he was so persistent <clears throat> Are you there yet? (laughs) So friendship did not get him his request. Persistence did. Persistence. You know, many of us would fold at at the third... uh, Of someone asking the third time for $5 outside of Walmart or outside of some sort of grocery store... Suppose, or maybe you wouldn't budge at the third request, but I can tell you this. If some guy asked me 20 times, the, the, the repetition of so many requests of me hearing is more annoying than me having to fork up five bucks. Let's say I was going to use that for like food or something. It's like this annoyance is greater of a disturbance to me than my growling belly. So I I'm going to fork this up because I'm now at this point I'm just buying my comfort. You get what I'm saying? All right, all right, just go, 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 all right, leave me alone. That's that's I mean maybe you guys are more Christian than me, but that's how I imagine myself responding. Oh come on now. <clears throat> But the idea, though, that I want to hint at is that persistence is needed. So many times I hear believers growing in discouragement because they say that I've been praying for this for three months or I've been praying for the same thing for a month. I'll act like I didn't read that. Um. There's believers that pray for a month or two months and and they still have not obtained answers. You know, there was this thing that i seen on Facebook and there was this experiment, not that I recommend any experiments with animals or rats or whatever, but there was an experiment that... I guess, I don't know if they're a scientist or what. They, they experimented with some rats and they placed them in like this jar of water. And the rats were, <clears throat> had only lasted keeping themselves afloat for 15 minutes. And then they all sunk. But they didn't allow the rats to die. What they did is they pulled out the rats, allowed them to gain a little bit of rest, and they dropped them back. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, those rats lasted 48 hours the second time, keeping themselves afloat. Because with the expectation of rescue, it helped them to persist. And so how much more when we know that God will do what He said He will do. (laughs) He will stand by His word. He will come through. If we know that he will come through and that he will do what he said he will do, how much more should that warrant, influence, and motivate us for persistence? We have to take a look at the Word of God and understand that we can be certain. We can be certain that he will answer he will respond <clears throat> but i want i want you to take note of this too this is another aspect is you have to have a level of expectation and you must be praying specifically because what does the bible say it says um verse 8 I tell you though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend yet because of his persistence he will rise and get him whatever he needs and I I tell you ask and it will be given seek and you will find knock and it will be open so when you are knocking on a specific door God is not going to open a different door than the one that you're knocking on. And so there is an it involved in your life of prayer. And what is it that you are praying for? There is specific. There is specificity. You must identify what it is that you are expecting to receive. But if you keep your prayer so general... How can you expect for it to come into your life? Some people pray, oh, I just want the whole world to be saved. Or they'll say, "I'll oh, just save, um, save America. It's like, let's begin to specify who we want saved. And I get that there's national prayers, but let that not be the extent of your life of prayer. Begin to hone in on what it really is, and who it really is, and what you really want. And when you really want it. But see the problem is. A lot of us may not be doing that. Because we don't really believe. It takes too much. It puts too much on stake. Right. For example. Those who. Um, um, like. There are some people that I've seen that will intentionally keep things very vague when they start prophesying about national events they're saying i see a catastrophe coming oh yeah what when where i mean <laughs> sorry but that's what i see a lot like can you give me directions like when is this going to happen who's going to be involved where is this going to be located? What do you mean by catastrophe? What What is the aftermath? Can you give me, I mean, if God has really spoken, I see that's the way that the prophets prophesied about some of these very uh, vivid events, right? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, But they do that because it won't cost them any you can't it's too vague it's too blurry it's too general and so in in like manner in a very similar way are we p- praying too generally to know if the things that we're praying for actually comes into our lives how many Answered prayers, God may have in fact given you, but you've prayed so generally you didn't even know that it came into your life. <clears throat> you say, "I'm praying for strength." Well, strength for what? Say, Lord, I, I need strength because I want to get up at this time and I want to be—I want to be able to avoid all manner of distraction. And I want to be able to do X, Y, and Z. Right? Begin to be be specific. <clears throat> the man didn't knock, and you know, ask for, and we'll see right here. Let's continue reading. It says, and I tell you, verse nine: Ask, and it will be given to you; seek, and you will find; knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and so you might say i'm just a second grade christian or i you know i'm i'm less than or i'm beneath and so no the bible doesn't exclude you it says whoever that's what's called a universal quantifier it's placing everybody within the quantity included so it's saying everyone it's everyone doesn't mean everyone except you Right? So, this is a promise for us. For you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? So, The confidence that we have is also that the Lord is our Father. Right? I mean, just think about it in very natural terms. When you ask something of your sibling or of your friend or your brother or sister in Christ, and you ask for something specific, do you expect to get something different in return? Like... If you ask me, Hey brother, do you got a book by Paul Washer you can lend me or you can give to me? You should not be expecting a book by Joel Osteen. (laughs) There is a level of expectation that you should have for a specific request. Right? So, what leads us to believe That it is any different than with God. (laughs) Gummy bear books. What leads us to believe that it's any different with the Lord? (coughs) What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You know, I want to read a couple of verses here. Um, In Revelation chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. And it says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One, the True One, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door. Doors grant access, or they prevent access. And the scriptures are telling me that Jesus, the, the great door, he says, I am that door, right? He holds the key of David. So he has the key to open doors in your life. And he has authority to shut and to open. Right? And who sets before us open doors? It's the Lord. And how do I know that prayer is an answer to open doors? We see it right there in Luke 11, but also in Colossians chapter 4, verse 3 says, And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Right. So prayer is going to grant you access that you may not have otherwise had if you did not pray. Prayer is the key to, To open doors. But particularly persistent prayer. Because you may hear the Lord say. I will not get up. I cannot get up. It is midnight now. The door is shut. And that may be a test to to test your faith. And you have a choice. Am I going to sink down in discouragement and believe that my father is reluctant to give me the answers? Or am I going to lay hold of his garment and say, I will not leave until you bless me. I'm going to wrestle with you all night until you answer me. And so I'm going to continue to knock and knock and knock until the door is opened. how do we get the faith to pray is to pray that might sound circular but the more you begin to see God answer the more you cannot help but to believe that you will get results and so that may be believing him for things that aren't vast. It might be so small, but praying nonetheless. And and now you have this strengthened faith. The Bible says, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. I cannot and I don't sell, I don't intend on sounding boastful. I'm not gonna say as if I don't have my days of doubt, because I certainly do. But today I feel like I cannot help but to believe. Let me tell you this wonderful testimony. I remember Sometime back um, <clears throat> back in 2018, um, I was holding a prayer meeting. In fact, I, I held the prayer meeting from and, uh, what was it 2016 until uh, 2020 <coughs> and we would pray every week for years, sometimes to two in the morning. It was a glorious time. It would start at seven it will we'll close at midnight one in the morning but um at the prayer meeting, I asked the the saints I said, you know, um I feel like the Lord has been putting on my heart to get into the uh juvenile hall and uh as you some of you know. When I was a juvenile, I got locked up and I got faced with felony charges. I spent time in there and whatnot. And uh, so when I got saved, I wanted to return back and preach the gospel in there. Right? But um, I never had a chance to, but it began to stir in my heart. I said, you know what? I I want to go into the juvenile hall and preach. So um, let us pray. Um. And so we began praying and we came in agreement. I had expectation and didn't know how it would happen. (laughs) It's amazing how it happened. So the following week, I have um, um, class in my public speaking class and it's the first week and um, the teacher pairs us up in groups and he's telling us to tell of a time that was a life changing event in our lives. Okay, so I'm in a group of five, and in this group, I'm in class. I'm at a secular college. And God gives me two prophetic words for two people that I didn't know. Uh, one, in one case, there was this girl, um, she was actually from the Philippines. She was in the, and she got enlisted into the uh, U.S. Navy and whatnot. She became an American citizen and everything. But the Lord showed me she had pain in her back and in her ankles. And so we're in class, and I said, I know this sounds random. I said, but you experienced pain in your back and your in your ankles, huh? He's all, oh, how'd you know that? <laughs> and then the Lord showed me something else for another person. But anyways, what does that have to do with the, the story? <clears throat> There happened to be a Christian in that group so that when I shared that he began to share his Christian experience about how he had gone on a missions trip and how that one time he was at church he there was an evangelist got a prophetic word that he was dealing with migraines prayed for a healing he got healed I said well let's pray for this sister to to get healed I guess she was a believer in the Lord I said let's pray for her to get healed so we got we went to pray for her after class but check this out. That's not the extent of the story. That brother, um, I ended up talking with him the following week, and I shared with him my, you know, testimony. We got to know each other, and whatnot. About an entire Bible study emerged from that class that I held an hour before class for an entire week. So there were like total of like four or five people that would come, <clears throat> and I shared with him my testimony, and he said. Uh, oh, you got locked up? Where'd you get locked up at? And I said, oh, you know, here. And he says, my dad goes there. He preaches every week. I said, what? I said, just last week I was praying for me to get in. Could you ask your dad if I can get in and preach? And so he says, yeah. And so he tells his dad and his dad sets up an appointment for me to, you know, to talk with me and everything. And so and about like a month later, I'm in the juvenile hall, and it all began because I said, I believe the Lord is saying that He wants me to get into the juvenile hall. Let us begin to pray. And so it was all these little working pieces that are far be outside of my control. And yet God answered. And I can tell you testimony after testimony after testimony. Of many things like that. Where the Lord answered my prayers. So now I, am, I don't claim at all to be some sort of elite Christian. I don't believe in that. All I believe is that there is a mighty God. Who wants to answer the prayers of his people. And it's going to take persistency. And it's going to take a heart that believes that he actually wants to answer. Jesus was impressed by faith. skills oratory skills knowledge wisdom none of that impressed him you know what always impressed him is faith you might say i don't have very much faith <clears throat> do you feel weak do you feel incapable because those are the schoolmasters that will educate you in the school of faith as i cannot do this god i need your help
1: seriously Lord Jesus, I can't do this. Please help me.
0: Amen. I like that. What prayers cannot do? More prayers will do. But are you needy? Are you weak? <coughs> are you hungry? Do you need doors opened? Revelation chapter four verse one. After this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, "Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this." John says that in in on the Lord's day he was in the spirit on the island of Patmos. Well, how do you get in the spirit? You get in the spirit by praying. And in the fourth chapter, he receives this revelation of an open door. And there's a voice saying, come up here come this is where your destiny is at this is where the purposes of god lie and jesus has the key to open up these doors but they will remain closed until you begin to knock with persistence and say you know what i don't want to stay here any longer i need to get to where god wants me to go and i'm going to go and live with purpose and i'm going to have the holy spirit thrust me into the plans of god but god will not grant what you will not ask for And he's inviting you, he says, come up here. Become elevated in the spirit. Elevate yourself above the the natural planes. You need to have an ascension view to be able to see in the spirit and see what God wants for your life. But you know what it takes for you to climb up the mountain and sometimes it is a lonely place and it takes work to get there. Sometimes that means leaving other people behind and if you cannot have a solitary life, that doesn't mean that there's no room for fellowship, no room for association, no room for friendship. But you know what? God grants His greatest of times and blessings to those who say, I'm lonely and I need you and I want you and I can't live without you. And I'm willing to separate myself from all these other people because I need God. And I need your presence. I need more of Him. And so there's this bittersweet experience of pain in the flesh, but He accompanies it by the glorious revelations and blessings and comforts of the Holy Spirit. Oh man, some of the greatest times I've had were the times I was most distraught. I was most lonely, most in pain. And yet the Lord would draw nigh to me The spirit drove Jesus in the wilderness, not the devil. The spirit drove him in the wilderness. But you know what happened when he began to rely on the father in that wilderness experience is that afterward, after 40 days, the Bible says, then he went out in the power of the spirit. Bible says of his life that he offered up strong crying with tears from him who was able to save him from death, and he was hear, heard. In that he was reverent, he 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 was dependent upon the Lord in those wilderness moments. <clears throat> but the devil will do what you what he can to get you to rely on self. In that wilderness, here you're the son of God. Turn these bread, turn these stones into bread. You're, you've been single for a long time. You just get married already. Who cares about waiting on God? Forget that. Come on, you're entitled. You deserve that. Come on now You know these waiting games are too long God is withholding No better yet it is God Ooh, The Lord is uh, definitely speaking <clears throat> But what did Jesus say? It is written Man shall not live by bread alone But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God The devil says Cast yourself down For he commanded his angels concerning you To guard you in all your ways They will lift you up Lest you dash your foot against a stone He says No Don't test the Lord your God he says, he, he, he takes him to a pinnacle and says, all this I would give you, if you would just bow down and worship me. He says, get, get out of here, Satan. For it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and serve only him. But you know what this? The Bible says in the Psalms, it was prophesied of Jesus that he shall inherit the nation. So the devil was trying to give to Jesus prematurely what the Father had already given him. Sometimes, if you do not wait, you will prematurely get what you wanted, but it will turn out to be a curse. It will turn out for our bad. And God will forgive. But you know what? There are some things that David did that as a result of that bloodshed and sword and fight did not leave his house. You may be forgiven. You may be restored. But it comes at the cost of constant battle, constant bloodshed, constant fight. But yet when we wait, when we wait and we're persistent, we keep waiting on the Lord in prayer and say, you know what Lord, this has been a long time, but I'm going to continue to be persistent because I believe that eventually you will open this door and in the right time you will give me my heart's desire without sorrow accompanying it. Sorrow would not be added to this. The Bible says that the blessings of the Lord makes rich and he does not add sorrow to it. That's what God wants to give you, what he wants to give me, what he wants to provide for our lives, but it's going to require waiting, it's going to require trial, it's going to require persistence. Keep praying, keep pressing in and keep going because the devil will give you prematurely what you want and he will tell you to take matters into your own hand, but God is saying I have much for you, just wait. I am not withholding, just wait. I will come through, but wait. Because sometimes it's in those waiting moments where the Lord is saying, be persistent, that He's working on your character to make you suitable of a man, suitable of a woman, for the very thing that He will bring into your life. If you don't, it will ruin you or you will ruin it. So God is not withholding. He's protecting. He's protecting. Hallelujah.
1: Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
0: Glory to God. Now, I've said this before. I said, you know, sadly, sometimes people, when you're in the world, you're willing to wait on the drug dealer longer than you're willing to wait on God. I remember those days we'd be like, hey bro, you mobile? Yeah. All right, slide through. Alright, I'll be there in thirty minutes. It's like five hours later. Are we willing to wait on him and be persistent? You know David was anointed king at a very young age. He was anointed king. I love I love David. <clears throat> I really I I I love how he was a worshipper of God. I love his character. They overheard him they they are eavesdropping on him and said, you know, um um, he said, "Oh, how I long for the waters of Bethlehem!" And some guys risked their lives for him, and he re- retrieved him water. Anyone like this psh, dumped it out. He says, "I can't receive that without a sacrifice." Of God forbid! I love that character. Like heck, no. Nah. You guys, you guys put your lives in jeopardy. I can't take that. I didn't even do anything. But David was a great example of a worshiper who wanted God's heart more than anything. And he was anointed king. And yet, you know what his eyes would have told him? But there's another man on the throne, David. And yet he waited for... I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I might be wrong on the exact amount. I believe he waited 13 years. God was educating him to defeat a lion, to defeat a bear, to defeat a Goliath. And those were prerequisites for when he would be in his kingly position to slay his tens of thousands. But, coming to a close, I want to read Isaiah chapter 22. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your mercy and your kindness, your goodness, O oh Lord. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 22, verse 22 and I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David he shall open and none shall shut and he shall shut and none shall open the Lord has the key you know I love when certain people try to undercut me in my life and do certain things and try to finesse and you know, Because you'll have that as a Christian People try to come against you And I'm not threatened one bit I'm like we shall see You know why? Because I know my heart That it wants God's will <clears throat> And I know he's going to shut doors in your face He's going to open them Open doors right in front of my face I know it Because you cannot You cannot try to undercut God's purposes. It ain't going to happen. And so, when people are coming against you and you're in the will of God, have confidence. Because God's going to slam doors right in front of their face. And He will move, He will cut down every Pharaoh, He will open every Red Sea, He will be with you in every single fire. So this is the prerequisite do I want what God wants <clears throat> but he has the keys <clears throat> but are we willing to wait are we willing to persist and what did David say he says I love the Lord because he has heard my cry I love the Lord because He has heard my cry. He says, My voice has entered into His ears. He has heard me from His holy temple. Now know I (coughs) that the Lord saves His anointed. It says that in Psalm 9. It says, Answer me speedily, O Lord. You just look at the Psalms and see how many times David just prayed and cried out. It says, The Lord will answer me. So I want to ask us this question Do we have confidence today that the Lord will answer? <coughs> <coughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for. Your gracious heart, we thank you, Father, for your loving kindness, your tender mercies. We thank you, Lord, that you're the God that answers prayer. Lord, you have commanded us to pray. So, Lord, we know that you are the God that answers those very prayers. No good thing will you withhold from those who walk uprightly. Father, I pray that you would confer confidence in our hearts, that we would believe you. Lord, we will not be, uh, we will not draw back in unbelief. But Father, I pray that you would begin to help us to see that you intend on opening doors that no man can shut, and you intend on shutting no do- the doors that no man can open. Lord, you intend on opening doors that no demon can shut, no devil can shut. Father, help us to persist in this holy art of prayer, to believe you and have joy therein. Father, I pray, God, that the, that there will be no famine, no locusts or, or palm worms eating up, Lord God, the blessings that you intend on bestowing upon us, Lord. I pray that famine would not reach, Lord God, the storehouse of of, of answered prayers, Lord. I pray, God, in Jesus' mighty name, for there to be a fruitful, flourishing, Lord God, in your answers to our prayers, Lord. But, Father, give us the character to continue to persist, to continue, Lord God, to believe you, to be importunate and desperate, <clears throat> and lay hold of all your precious promises that are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for every heart that is discouraged, Lord, that is struggling to believe you, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would help them.
1: Help help us all, Lord, to grow in faith, to grow in expectation.
0: Father, I, lastly, Lord, I just pray that the devil will not come and take away what you have sown in our hearts, Lord. In the
1: mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen.